Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome along to the Rugby Pod, brought to you as usual by our good friends at Guinness. We've had, uh, we actually had a great night out uh, at our live show in Edinburgh last week, and the upcoming London and Dublin shows are both sold out already. Sold out. But there are a few tickets left for the Cardiff live show with Andy Powell on the 5th of March, ahead of England v Wales. It's a great venue, it's called The Depot, and will be one of our biggest shows yet, so check out eventbrite.co.uk if you fancy coming along to that. And as always, a massive thanks to Guinness for helping put those on. And we've got a few uh, of the new rugby pod t-shirts available too so just head to 80.club forward slash the rugby pod if you want to get your hands on one of those there's also a nice little french number in there as well that you might be interested in goody uh why does it say oh, i'm a referee and i can't referee the game very well maybe something like that versus placage uh, teabag hey imagine sean edwards this week give away three tries not having it get on training field let's work harder well it's good to be back i'm just happy to be here and be here alive I thought it was the end of the road for me yesterday. I got caught up in Ford, Sierra Cosworth, or what her name was. And uh, genuinely, I thought yesterday was the end of the uh, the road for me. And um, so I'm thankful to be here, albeit jaded. I was on a flight yesterday morning. I don't know how. I was convinced it was going to be uh, cancelled. It wasn't. And we took off from Edinburgh to go to Birmingham in a propeller flyby plane. All was jolly, bit bumpy. But I ain't scared of shit, so it didn't matter. <laughs> right? I ain't scared we're of o- shit. We're over Bir- Birmingham circulating round. Lovely place. I'm Birmingham, setting the scene. So Mike Tindall and Zara Phillips, Tins and, and Zara are behind a few rows back. Why are I'm, they behind you? Well, I, I'm sitting in the business class leg room. Um, trying to go down to Birmingham, and you can see that the, the, the Cosworth is brewing big time. So we're about to go down. No, 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 no. Pilot comes on. We need to turn back. Edinburgh so we've turned back to Edinburgh and you've got turbulence I've taken my shoes off why have you taken your shoes off because that's what they say when um if a plane's about to go down no, you've got to take your shoes off no they don't yeah they do no they say take it, your shoes off to go down the the, the slide the raft oh do they once it's crashed oh <laughs> if it lands on water so I had my shoes off stinking stinking I imagine so. They were sweating and I'm reading for the first time. You know, you get the exit cards and they say, are you all right to open the exit door? And you just nod yeah, <laughs> rapidly. <laughs> Absolutely no idea. So I'm reading this thing thinking, I cannot believe that this is happening to me with Mike Tindall and Zara Phillips who are going to steal the show if this goes down. That's your last thought. What about your kids, your missus, your family? You know, oh, JJ. Yeah, true. And the, the true. other three, what are the other three called? Yeah, I don't know. But it was the closest I've been to... I, I, was, I wouldn't say I was hyperventilating, but I was breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth slowly and controlled. Like, I'm just happy to be here. I'm insured, up to the eyeballs, and... Um, I mean, it's like you've got nothing to lose now. Well, they haven't, have they? He's coming home! Oh, he's he's home, Jim. He's home. I know. We can get on to it. So I've had a, an horrible weekend. Well, it start, Thursday started well, didn't it? That was great. We had the live show uh, up in Edinburgh. John Barkley comes on. Amazing, like the crowd was good as well. I mean, I've walked in with a Ingham flag. What a chave. There was no bottles. <laughs> <laughs> no bottles being thrown at me, let me tell you. And there was a few boos going around. I mean, there was one. What about that noise that told that story? I played against you in 1998. We thought something big was going to come, so we're like, right, what does he know? He gets up there, so we, this is his moment. This is his cup final, right? And he gets up on stage and says, I played against you for Dundee University. And he said, you threw a miss pass. Then I threw a missed pass and you told me to fuck off. No. <laughs> no. No, he didn't. And that was the story. It wasn't the end of it, though. Because he went, and I got up and I told you to fuck off. Oh. 
So it started well up in Edinburgh. Friday, we had a lunch in Glasgow, didn't we? For Macmillan Cancer Support, which went down pretty well. The fat and deck of rugby, but you're not allowed to say fat, so I know. It just doesn't sound right. The morbidly obese... And deck of rugby, me being the deck. What about what about when we walked in? We, get, we were getting piped into the room. Yeah. And there's the top table getting piped in. Um, and we're walking along and I'm following Jim. Of course, I'm vice captain, mate. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm captain, so, of this pod. Okay. Uh, and some guys turn around and go, hey, Andy, you're not as fat as I thought you were, eh? And I'm like, that is nearly a compliment. Uh, and we spoke, it was a good, good lunch, wasn't it? It was. It was a good lunch, good cause, and I was primed. Didn't drink anything at all. Had an early night ready for my Saturday morning, the big one. The SAS Calcutta boot camp against Mark Wright. He was captain in Team England. Of course, I was captain in Team Scotland. I used to be vice-captain, but I was captain this time, and rightfully so. And it was a fitness challenge. It was, James. So How'd you get on? Not great. <laughs> not great. And look, I don't want to make excuses, but let me set the scene. So it was a 20-minute fitness test, and there was a lot of different kind of calculations, which I struggled to work out and see how we would win. I just thought if we win everything, we win. Don't, so, don't blame the mass teacher, mate. Lovely woman. Simple as that. So Team England. So I'm on the assault bike. So is Mark Wright. He's Team England. I'm Team Scotland. And then what happens is they brought a couple of social media influencers in. So Mark Wright for Team England had a couple of social media influencers that were CrossFitters. My social media influencer, who turned out not to be a social media influencer... Holds was, the record for the most deep-fried Mars bars eaten in one minute. Yeah. Steve from East Kilbride. <laughs> I had Steve from East Kilbride. And what did he do? Not a lot. <laughs> not a lot, bless him. I know he listens to the podcast, so I'm giving you a shout-out. This is a backhanded compliment. You're a good lad. Um, I don't think he's seen a day in the gym in his life. Oh, um, you'd have backed me against him, or...? Without doubt. Yes! If you can do longer than 15 seconds on an assault bike, um, then we might have been somewhere close. But we nearly beat him anyway. Just me. I took on two of the best CrossFitters in the world and Mark Wright. (laughs) Me and Steve from East Kilbride. Matt, I don't think he's seen his toes for 20 years and he's only 25. So... um, yeah, it was good. What, but about, what about the tug of gears? Yeah, the tug of war. That was tug of war. You yeah, got dominated one on one by Mark Wright. Yeah, that was um, that. Was, it wasn't one on one. It wasn't one on one. It was um, I'd say made to look that way. Those noodle arms aren't working very well, are they? I'll tell you what. That, so now, having seen these CrossFitters going, and we want to give a shout out. Um, this is going to be a show of shout outs. A shout out to Cave Fit Gym in Edinburgh. That's where we did the training. And a lot of people think, oh, you're going to do it for camera, Mark Wright, A-lister, Jim Hamilton, A-lister, team captains, CrossFit, social media influencers, Steve from East Kilbride. It's going to be a piss take. It weren't. Proper gym, proper setup, and uh, get to the cave, St. Andrew's Square. Proper setup. I'll be going back there, but not with Steve from East Kilbride, even though that he needs to go there. Go and take him there. I might do. Steve, I know you're listening. I'll meet you there, mate. When, tomorrow? No, I'm absolutely, I'm just happy to be alive. Goody weird, you watch the rugby. Uh, so, I was down at Flatiron Square hosting there with uh, Jack Knoll. Knoll's he? Uh, yeah, he was a good lad. And how'd you guys find the game? Um, obviously, the conditions were a bit tough, weren't they? I watched the game back earlier, and I don't think watching it back actually did justice to how bad the conditions actually were. So I watched it on TV, and when I was in the stadium, when I was in at the stadium, I was doing some hosting for the Royal Bank of Scotland, and... With that, you get tickets, and hey, I got invited to the Royal Box, not me. I'm there with the masses. Did you go outside? I went outside with Cousin John. Because last, last year we watched it, or two years ago, we watched it inside, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We did. No, I watched it outside this time with Cousin John. East stand, tell the blizzard that. My word, the wind and the conditions were, I've not experienced a game like it before. I, didn't, I was questioning whether the game was going to go ahead. 
And in hindsight, it should never have gone ahead. It why, was just why, so Jim? unsafe. <laughs> oh, yeah, but it's I was home, there. It's coming home. It's home, Jim. The atmosphere was unbelievable, to be fair, considering what I knew. And I tweeted, I'm a rugby purist, but I ain't that pure. And uh, the atmosphere was still very good at, at times, but it was hardly a game of ruggers, really, was it? Let's be honest. No. And, uh, you know, the weather completely ruined the game, the spectacle. But, you know, obviously the game went ahead and it was all about who's going to make the fewest mistakes. And there were plenty, weren't there? Yeah, England kicked out in the full a lot. Um, yeah, Hoggy makes the mistake under the sticks. But, yeah, it was you're better off not having the ball at all in that game, aren't you? You can't go hard at the players, really, about anything. Farrell misses, kicks at goal. And on TV, people are like, oh, that's easy. And we're at Flatiron Square. People sat behind me are like, oh my God, such an easy kick. I could have got that. I'm like, are you joking? You don't realise how tough it is in windy conditions. And there's windy conditions and then there's on my Scotland. Yeah, you've not seen conditions like it. I'm telling you now. So, yeah, I mean, as a spectacle, you you can pick the bones out of things. Scotland's line out and I tweeted about it. You know, they they lost quite a few line outs, didn't they? They need Big Jim back in the mix. They lost eight line outs, apparently. They're the stats that I were given by Grant Gilchrist. Uh, not really. <laughs> Is he trying to get picked again? Well, well Johnny uh, Gray's out for the Six Nations, I read today. Um, look, it's easy, again, from the stands to look at the Scotland performance, right? The line-out was glaringly obvious. And look, let, let's be honest, England threw a couple of knots straight, Jamie George, and it's one of them where you are shrugging your shoulders, like, yeah. what what can you do? The big thing for me was, and what happens is when you when you watch the line-out and it's not straight and, and it's stolen, the camera then pans to the hooker like it's his fault. Most of the time, it's not the hooker's fault. It'll be the call or it'll be good defence. Mislift? It looked, yeah, or a mislift. It, it, it looked like, right, that we hadn't practised or Scotland hadn't practised wet weather lineouts. That's that's what it looked like. So you look at the England team. I thought George Cruz was brilliant. You've got Marotoji, who's very good. Lewis Ludlam's a very good jumper as well. And they had lineouts with Steve Borthwick, skills coach, facilitating that. It looked like we hadn't trained for wet weather lineouts and we were th- my point being we're throwing them to the back of the lineout what do you expect <laughs> and but then again so my question to you is as a ex-international legendary second row thank you uh, who ran a lineout thank you but would also run a defensive lineout mm. in those conditions are you not just stacking up the front two pods that's and saying think. good luck to you get to the back yeah that's exactly what you think and there was a few times where the front was on and again it's easy when you're looking from the stands and you're looking in i that that was the thing that not frustrated me, but I was I was puzzled. You know, you, you're gonna definitely lose a couple in them conditions because England have got one of the best lineups in the world. But I thought George Cruz was brilliant in that game. I thought yep. he, I thought he was excellent and uh, Lewis Ludlam as well. And obviously the back row as we go further away from the lineup. But um yeah, there was a few things, missed opportunities again. Uh I thought England's bench was significantly better, but for me, the big thing was the lineup because you can't sustain field position and that's it. So yeah, I, was I gutted? Not really, because the game was so yeah, bad. Yeah, you were. No, well, you're English again now, are you? It's coming home. Yeah, it's it's home, home again. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm just happy to be alive. I think, I think the way you look at the game, one of the other things that needs mentioning is uh, it's so hard to be accurate in those conditions, but Scotland had a load of pressure in our 22 and didn't capitalise as you. You got a penalty, but there was opportunities. You know, eventually, it comes down to the sausage Ellis Genge barging his way over. And, Proper try that. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you could perhaps talk about Johnny Gray, who was a tackling machine, but he just got bumped off a bit on that one, didn't he? Just his body position. I just think the power. He was on his knees. But the power of Genge, and that's the difference with Scotland, that perhaps didn't have that. But the one bit of play that we got away with was Carl Sinclair on the deck. Mm. 
It's a penalty all day long. Um, and thought, you, you think about the ref. I thought he was poor. And he was. I, I, but for both teams, yeah. not... But you, well, here's from, the thing. from a Scotland perspective, there was a few. There was, there was a couple of moors that got turned over where Curry's done a brilliant it looks job. Mad, I, that, thought, I thought he was. I thought he was excellent. He's at the side. Yeah, he's not going in at the side, but he's rolling at the side. He's changing his mind, and I'm watching it from Rose Ed. Love Royal Bank of Scotland, and they put me in with the masses, and I could see it from where I'm from. Raging. I had not. Ray, I just like. Well, what can you do? Were you, so, throwing, were you throwing bottles as well? No, mate. That that came down through the wind, and we can talk about that. I've yeah. seen a video. But that's a, you know that that Carl Sinclair one though. That's a penalty all day long. Mm. In reality, some referees give that as a yellow card as well. Playing the ball on the deck in those conditions. Unfortunately for both teams, you've got a French referee who, in those conditions, the breakdown is king. Mm. So trying to get turnovers, winning clean possession, trying to win some quick ball, and you've got a French ref that was just letting anything go. And I, I think I tweeted about it. I, I've ever said I liked a French referee. I did that day because he seemed to be giving decisions to England that I'm a England fan and I, of course... You know, I wanted England to win and I want those decisions to go away. But you can tell when decisions should have gone the other way. Uh, well, that was a glaring one because that came up. Up, it came up on the big screen as well. Yeah. So I think that that's one that you can actually be like, right, you're going to look at because there's a bit of hysteria from the crowd. I, I, I can't remember where one of the Scotland players went up and said, mate, you need, he's ripped it, I'm on the floor. But it, it showed it on the big screen. So I watched it again on the big screen. You're like... It's, well, why didn't he go back and give a penalty then? He's obviously not looked at it. That's what I think. So that's my point. Mm. He can't have looked at it. So it's it's easy to sit here and bag the referee. And, I'm, and I'm, I am bagging him a little bit. Um, I thought England looked well up for it. Yeah. From, from where I was, I thought Ford and Farrell, I know some of the kicks went out on the fall and, and some of them went up the air and went back 10 metres. But Ford looked like he wanted it big time. You could see the community. Yeah, he could, mate, genuinely. Uh, the communication and stuff like I that. Thought, I thought Ford was poor, to be honest. Did you? Yeah, I thought we, we looked best when Farrell was at first receiver and yeah, some Ford's kicking was poor. You know, you saw the panic when he's lobbed it over Johnny May's head and in the second half and then they get a line out from it. The difference yeah. was the back row. That's yeah. what That's what I think. And I love Jamie Ritchie and Hamish Watson, and Magnus Bradbury, but I thought Tom Curry, I know Sam and Hill got man of the match, Lewis Ludlam as well, I saw him in one of the papers, he got a four out of ten. I'm like, mate... You'd have taken that though, wouldn't you, in your career? Well, I would have had to taken it, yeah. <laughs> um, wouldn't have asked any questions, but I thought that was the difference. I thought George Cruz, I thought the line-out, I thought yeah. it's, it's, it, there was nothing in it, really, and the bench. Genge. Genge, mate. Mm. The guy is an absolute... Sausage. Animal, in it. Oh, sorry. What did you, what did you make of his um, interview after? Loves that. it! Yeah, listen, you know, Genji is what Genji is. He's, you get, ask a question and he's given an honest answer. I, I don't understand why people are getting stuck into him. He's given an honest answer. That's what he thinks. I thought it was brilliant. You know, the, the guy's there. He's just played for England. He's just scored the winning try in the Calcutta Cup. He's answering questions, honestly. You don't want players to come and not give opinions. But yet when a player gives an opinion, people are like, oh, you know, you shouldn't be saying that. You shouldn't be drinking a beer. I mean, he didn't buffalo it. I can't see the problem. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I thought, you know, he, as we know, Ellis Genge, he speaks from the heart. He t- tells it as it is. Some people don't like it. Some people love it. And I think the majority of people would have loved that and said, that's a real honest interview. Yet the bigger noises are coming from people that have got issues with it. And that's always the case in society, isn't it? There's this always- is the world that we live in now. Yeah. PT. <laughs> Piss take. So I've done. All right. Yeah, yeah. Fraser Anderson's asked us on Twitter whether Scottish rugby is just accepting low standards. He says the rhetoric about a healthy game uh, there is laughable. Wow. Fraser, you can't argue at the minute, I'll be honest. Could have, should have, would have again. I was really happy with the Ireland performance week one and I thought England were there for the taking. 
I think we both did. Did you pick on your match point predictor? Did you pick Scotland or England? No, I picked England, mate. Of course I did. Did you? Well, we'll find out later on. We'll find out later on. I picked Scotland. I think a lot of people thought Scotland were going to win um, off the back of that performance. The fact that England were rubbish against France, but I'm sure we'll get onto it. The whole stuff around Finn on top of that performance, two losses and having to go to Rome. I mean, the All next right. match. It, I wouldn't say it's laughable because look, it's, it's professional rugby and Scotland are a good team. They've got some really good players, but Glasgow are doing well. Hashtag always Edinburgh are doing well as well. But for whatever reason, it's, I, I, I don't know what to say. It's hard to answer, but I get what he's saying. Well, I mean, let's, let's dissect these two games on open cloth. You just said over in Ireland, you're proud of the performance and they play well. They could have won it. They played really well. People can't get arsey about that game at the weekend and say, oh, standards are poor. The weather was horrific. It was mm. never going to be a decent game of rugby. It was just going to be a game of very small margins. You know, and unfortunately, Hoggy's a friend of the show. He makes that one error that the bounce of the ball doesn't pop up for him. And then it leads to the scrum. And then England got the power to barge over from five metres. The tiniest of margins in that game. So it's not like they've been hosed 20, by 20 points at home. Yeah, but it's not that. We've lost eight lineouts. The week before, we obviously dropped the ball over the line. Hoggy does that, and, it, and it's a I mean, mistake. I, I can't believe I'm sat here defending Scotland and you're going harder. I, I'm <laughs> I mean, not, no. I, I, I'm not, but people are asking the questions now because Scotland has, has built themselves up over the last few years because of the club teams doing so well, because the national team have had some really big wins. I think the frustration is, is the Guinness Six Nations is the one where, really, we want to start doing well. I was, I was chatting to John Barkley about it yesterday. You know, a couple of years ago, under Gregor, we finished third. I so said we beat Italy. England at home. Huh. I think we beat Italy away, uh, but we beat France at home as well. So we had three wins, and I think that that is the minimum standard for a team that wants to compete. Look at the pressure that Ireland have been under, and that's my point. So Ireland under massive amount of pressure, and look what they've done under that. They've had two home games first. Doesn't matter though. It makes a big difference. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like I'm talking from a Scottish fan, what they would be saying from their perspective. I know what I know what it's like. I've been a player. I know what it's like. To yeah, but be you, you guys are generally shit. The backs were shite. This back, we, had Phil, we had Phil Godman at 10. <laughs> but then all the fans are looking at now is they're looking at two losses, two from two. Okay, they're looking, crashing at crashing out of the World Cup, getting beat by Japan in the lead up to that game. They're looking, getting absolutely whitewashed by Ireland. And then they're looking at the Finn Russell situation. So if you're looking at it superficially like that and not going too much deeper and not looking at why they lost the line outs, uh, the referee was poor. Um, the breakdowns, you know, was standard in at the side. Did James Ryan not roll away, roll away? So if you're not looking at these different things, you're looking at it superficially. And yeah. so you can understand from, from, I wouldn't say it's laughable, but Gregor now is under, and off the back of Finn Russell's interview, and I'm split on that. Laughable is the wrong word, but uh, they're not in a good place. And I think the thing is, you can have those serious conversations about that if they go to Italy, Italy and lose next week. It's the wooden mm. spoon battle next week, now, isn't it? That's you know we joke about it, and you won the wooden spoon four times, was it? Three or four times. Three, a celebration. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but if they go to Italy and put twenty five points on the Italians, that's not enough. I don't away from enough. home? No, I don't think. Well, they're not. Well, you, can't, you, know. you know, we we can't predict weather and all that stuff yet. But but that, if, you me, offer, if you offer Gregor Townsend be, yeah. a twenty five point victory over Italy away from home next game, right now, that takes the pressure off. If he says, "No, I want more." He's kidding himself. Yeah, but, all right, so say they win that game and they win that game comfortably, right? And it is a little bit of an if now. Is that enough if they don't win another game? Is that enough for Gregor Townsend? Well, no, they play France at home. Yeah. There you go. There's your, your go-to game. Well, let's talk about Finn Russell's interview. Mm. 
Tan MacArthur has tweeted in to us and asked if the SIU and Townsend have managed things badly there. Look, I do a column for the Times and I'm very good mates with Craig Watson who took the picture or the pictures of Finn and Mark Palmer who broke the story. The picture, you know, and, and this is, you, you want to sell papers and the article is brilliant. I'm talking from Finn's point of view. He sat a little bit smug on the sofa. I just don't know. I just don't think it's a good thing for Finn. That's what I think. Read, reading between the lines, do you think that Finn's come out and he, I know he's saying he's, he wants to give his position and talk through why they are where they are, but do mm. you feel that this goes a bit further and without Finn saying it, he's basically trying to push for a case for I'm only coming back if Greg is gone? Because it, it, the rhetoric in there, the things he's saying is you know, they haven't had a relationship. They've worked together for eight years, they haven't got a relationship, but he doesn't know him, mm. doesn't trust him. Mm. He's basically, is he not as a very senior player, one of the most important players in this Scotland group, saying, read him between the lines, I ain't coming back till he's gone. That's exactly what it is. And a lot of people have been saying on social media that, you know, Finn needs to stay in line. So if, you know, so whatever the narrative was around him drinking on the Sunday night, whether he had two, three, four, five, or whatever it was, and the senior players decided that two drinks was the maximum, that isn't, this isn't the point here. That part of it, is probably masking actually what's beneath that, that him and Gregor just don't see eye to eye. Now, I'm not in the camp. I've worked with Gregor before. Scotland need to be a team that there are no grey areas. Finn is a world-class player in that team. He is arguably the best player in the team. So if he's on one agenda and the team have decided that this is the way they're going to do it on a separate way and Finn's doing his own thing because he's pissed off at Gregor, it's not healthy, is it? And that's clearly what's happening. I'm not defending Gregor. I'm not defending Finn. All I'm saying is, is that this is unheard of in rugby, is it not? I don't know. I'm looking at it. I'm like, your best player. I can't think of any team anywhere apart from 2015 World Cup, Vern Cotter, Jim Hamilton. It looks unresolvable now. Well, look, a coach always wins until he gets the sack. That's the way it happens. And there's a few things you said there about team uh, and that team ethos. You need individuals and you need individuals to be able to be comfortable in a team environment. Mm. But from reading between the lines, what Finn said is, the senior players had a meeting and agreed to only two beers. I'm going to put this to you, Jim. Would you have been happy with just two beers? I mean, two beers, you might as well say no beers. You, you just don't know what's But surely truth. you're not going to lose your place in a team when you're that good arguing over if you're allowed to. Like, this isn't the thing. This is the part of it that's actually masking over what the problem is. The point is him and Gregor do not see eye yeah, to no, eye. No. And, and if, you, if you read what Finn says the relationship that he has with Lauren Travers and the Racing 92 coaches, as a 10, and you know, you mate, you can ha- you have a massive input. And I, I go back to Farrell at Saris. He's in Dubai. I'm up at Newcastle away. He comes back to training after we lose the game. He's like, hey, this ain't good enough. And I'm thinking, hey, mate, you've just been on holiday. But what Owen Farrell wanted was the best for the team. This ain't good enough. Got to get better. Yeah. Get the ball at Jim's head. Oh, <laughs> drop him. Um... The number 10, and, and this is what I mean, so Mark McCall's there at training, as Kev Sorrell, as Joe Shaw, and Farrell's telling them as well, because he understands the game just as much, if not more, than the coaches that are coaching him. And Finn Russell's the same, so really, he's in Paris, and he's working with some of the best players in the world, and arguably some of the best coaches in the world, and he says, I've got a vision of how to play the game, I think this, this, and this, you know, we should kick after two or three phases, you know, that kick, kick should be a crossfield, it should be an up and under, it should be a grubber, you can bang it off your heel and put it over your head, and he's, I don't, from what I'm seeing, is I don't think he gets that leeway, or, or even has that platform to say them things. But ultimately, whatever 
you think as a player, while that head coach that you're continually disagreeing with is in charge, he's the one that's in charge. And, you know, like you've said before, there's there's more to it than just Gregor and Finn and disagreeing with how the game should be played, how a coach treats a player, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the, the whole thing about his dad mm. uh, being sacked by the SRU and, and then challenging that and winning the case. And Finn says it in his interview, doesn't he? He says it's difficult for some of the other players to speak up because they're contracted to the SRU. So you don't bite your nose off to spite your face. If you're contracted to the SRU and you, you try and say something, when he gets shut down, at some point, as a player, and I've been there loads of times, you're trying to make a point, you're trying to say something you believe in, you get shut down, you get shut down, and then you've got to know that I ain't getting anywhere, so what's the point? Whereas Finn just wants to, obviously because he's not contracted the SIU, he can say, he feels he can say what he wants. And I think he perhaps doesn't get the backing or thinks he doesn't get the backing of some of the other players because they are contracted yes, to the and, and what he's saying is they're yes men. That's, yeah. and, and that's a difficult thing. That There's is, always going to be yes men. Of course, and that... And that you know, and the question is, I don't know whether you're asking that question, is should he have done an article? Because it's a great article. The fact that the Times have got that article and, you know, you, you, the, the, the picture in there is portraying Finn being Finn. That's how, that's how he would say it. It's just for me as a Scotland fan and desperate for Finn as a young man to come back into the team and to perform how he has performed, um, we need him. We need him and we need Adam Hastings. But for me, by him doing that article, is that going to make things any better for for him playing for Scotland, no absolutely chance. not. Will it make Finn feel better? It might do in the short term. And I've been, look, I've been there. I know we joke about it. I've been there with with Vern and after the 2015 World Cup, and I didn't end up playing for Scotland ever again. Would that have been different if Richard Cockrell then came in as coach and said, "Mate, I want you to play after I retired from the World Cup"? Yeah. So I've done something really. I've retired from international rugby because I'm annoyed mm. at the situation rather than me being necessarily ready to retire from international rugby. And yeah. Finn's the same. He, he wants to play for Scotland, is my point. So he wants to play, but he's not adhering to the culture and what's been set out because he feels strongly about his situation and his standing in there with Gregor and the way things have been run over the last couple of years, he doesn't like. Well, funny enough, uh, Gregor Townsend has come out and said the door is always open, but there will be some standards to adhere to. How does this get resolved now? I don't reckon it gets resolved this Six Nations unless Finn's got to go cap in hand yeah, uh, and say, look. He's got to go testicle in sock, hasn't he? Testicle in sock and say, I can't have my cake and eat it. There's only one fly off that can have his cake and eat it and that's good, yeah. But he's got to go and apologise and I don't think uh, he would Apologise for what? Apologise for the article or apologise for, because both of them. Maybe not, maybe apology is the wrong thing. Maybe go in, shake each other's hand, and they've, 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 they'll have both done and said things that perhaps they regret. And who's the bigger man to go and say, listen, does Gregor pick up the phone and go, Finn, I want you back. There are going to be things that we set in stone that the whole squad are adhering to, not just you, Finn, the whole squad. And if you don't like it, then that's your decision. Or if you're Finn, I'm desperate to play for Scotland. Italy away in two weeks' time. Like The phone call's got to be made today. You should be a mediator, whatever they call it. A mediator. It. I could yeah. be a mediator. I've eaten a, a lot of media. Yeah. Um, you should be that person in the middle, the mediator. Well, I'm English. The problem is I'm English. But they're not playing England so now. I, I, I don't even care about Scotland. You can see that. You can see it. You can see Italy. They struggle. They bring Finn back in. They absolutely blitz France, and we go down to Cardiff and we win, and we finish second in the Six Nations. <laughs> what off the back of three wins? Uh, who knows, mate? Yeah. I, I've not worked out the numbers yet. But, but yeah, I mean. Can it be fixed? Yes, but it's going to take someone to put the bollocks in the sock, as Jim says. They need to get in a room, in a changing room, 
and crack open a can of Guinness. Naked. Three or four. It can be naked. It can be dark. Looking to each other's That's eyes. That's the best way it's done. This has also put Gregor under a lot more pressure, hasn't it? I'd be killing him. Absolutely killing him, I reckon. Imagine you, again, head coach, under pressure already for all the reasons that I've said, and you've got your very best player that's not hearing it, and he's not in the squad. And he's just in an article, sat on a sofa, looking comfortable and smiling. <laughs> like, he'd, he'd be gutted. So here's a question from an Englishman. What are the other options to Gregor? We were at lunch on Friday, and the Scotland fans were like, oh, no, Gregor's got to go. He's, he's the wrong man here. I'm like, go on then. Who, who's the right man? Who, the, who's out there? There isn't. Richard Cockrell. Yeah. You, no? Uh, not yet. But th- this is the thing. So where do you go with it? And someone said to me, oh, yeah, they should get Stuart Lancaster. I'm like, Stuart Lancaster isn't a head coach. And we were having this debate with people, weren't we? I said, you know, he's a very good coach of a specific area. He's not a... We've seen him as an international head coach. So, you know, you, you've got these question marks. It's all very well saying Greg's under pressure, Greg's got to go, but... I think you need time. That's what I think. I think that with Scotland, it's always going to be more difficult because of the limited pool of players. I'll tell you what I'm loving. The fact that we are talking a lot about Scotland. And you lost. Well, we can have a chat now to a man who would have loved to have been out there for England at Murrayfield at the weekend. England winger Jack Noll joins us now. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. How are you? Too bad. Mate, we're good, mate. We can hear the baby screaming in the background. I just said to you, we are immune to that noise. So if there's any more screaming, I will not be flinching. I thought I'd be immune to it, mate, but it's starting to grate on me a little bit now. <laughs> mate, imagine having two. Imagine having four. He's, he's got another oh, one on the way. Has he? He has, yeah. I have, I have, yeah, I have. Well, not him, his missus, obviously, but... Yeah, yeah it'd be a bit weird. I mean, anyway. Um, what? Hey, a bit weird for you as well would have been where you were watching the game from at the weekend. I'm sure you would have loved to have been out there, but you're watching the game with Goody on, um, at Flatiron Square. How was that for you? Uh, it was good, mate. I had a good time. Uh, a few quiet ones. I don't know, but looking at the weather up there, mate, I was kind of glad I wasn't there, to be honest. Um, it looked pretty miserable. Mate, um, it was miserable, mate. I was in the East Stand, mate. It, I, I, I was unsure whether the game was going to go ahead. So it wasn't a game for the wingers. But when you were at Flatiron no, no. Square, was Goody yeah. trying to feed you feed you up some pork scratchings and chocolate bars or not? Uh, he, the pork scratchings, but there's the chocolate bars and the Guinnesses he was trying to feed me up with. But uh, if I stuck to the beers, I was a good boy, mate. Just a couple. You did, you did. Uh, but you've got a bit of a story, have you? I mean, I, I left you, I, I had to head home to take the missus out for dinner. And um, <laughs> what happened to you? Um, so I had every intention of going home. Obviously, I don't live too close. So I was uh, waiting for the train to get home. Stayed for a couple more. I uh, got my arm twisted. Saw Jackson Wilton up there. So I had another beer with him. Was pretty sure that the last train was, I think it was, a, I can't remember what time it was. So I said, I'll get that one. Um, and it ended, ended up being a sleeper train. <laughs> so I got home in the morning, which is pretty savage. <laughs> mate, they're all cancelled though, mate. That's what you tell the wife. They're all cancelled. Like, I don't know what was going on. <laughs> just, hey, I should have just stayed up, mate. <laughs> mate, just denied it. Mate, that's what happened at the live show. It was lovely to see you. Um, so I'm going to call you Jack. Can I call you Nolsey? What do the boys call you? You can call me Nolsey, mate. You can call me what you want. It's fine. Nolsey, mate. We, we've, we've both got amazing tattoos, so we can talk about that as well. Um, <laughs> when you look at England, right, at the minute, yeah. and how is it for you watching them play and being out injured? Because when you are fit, you're obviously uh, well-liked by Eddie Jones and, and a bit of a kind of mainstay in that England squad. So how is it for you, firstly, watching the game being injured? I think I think it's been tough. You know, I've, even though I was away at the World Cup, I was with the boys... Um, I wasn't fit for for any of it to be honest. So uh, you know, I've, I've spent a long, long time now on the touch on the, on, the, on the sidelines, watching, doing a bit of training, but not really being involved. And you know, it's, it's always tough. It's tough when there's tough games because you can't really add anything to it. Um, you sat back, kind of watching. Um, and especially now, I was really hoping to be fit for for the Six Nations. You know, try and get a bit of a fresh start after the World Cup. But you know, unfortunately, my body just doesn't like me at the moment. So um, 
you know, I needed this, needed this operation. I'm hoping this is the last one. But yeah, you know, it's been a tough couple of weeks for the boys. Um, you can tell they've been giving it their all. Um, so I think we're in with a bit of a luck soon, I hope. Yeah, definitely, mate. It looks that way, especially after the weekend. But for you personally, so, so, so what's been the problem? So has it been your ankle all along? So you've had surgery on that now. Is that what the problem was in the yeah. World Cup? And then you've carried on with that problem? So I had the operation in the final where I got bended over backwards and yeah, pretty, uh, pretty, pretty savagely turned over. Had the operation then and I just didn't rehab too well coming back you know it's a lot of stress to get back early and you know then my appendix ruptured when I was in Italy so I've been back a little bit kind of got fit tore my hammy then when I was against uh, against Argentina um, was desperately trying to get fit for the finals but you know missed them so I kind of said to myself this is it this is what I need now fresh start back at the club uh, I'll try and play through my ankle make sure you know try and make it a little bit better by playing and running but um, i almost done the opposite so I kind of got to the stage for the Six Nations and they were like, you probably need another operation or you do need another operation to remove some scar tissue. Uh, they cut a few bits out, uh, tied it up around the back of my ankle as well. They said it would be about four to six weeks. So there was no, there wasn't really a better window to do it now. So I'm hoping to be back fit for the last two, the last two games. Ah, oh, nice. So we get, hopefully we'll see you in an England shirt before the end of the Six Nations. I do hope so. I'm not going to speak too soon, obviously. I don't know what, what Eddie would do or what Eddie's thinking. but And obviously if my body holds up, I am, I am doing my best to get back for, for that Wales game. Good stuff. And how's everything at the club? I know, uh, obviously, the Chiefs, everyone has had a week off uh, after the disappointment of losing that semi-final to yeah. Queens a couple of weeks ago. But for, for you as a club this year, Champions Cup quarter-final at home, potential Champions Cup semi-final in the UK as well, which is great. Uh, and obviously yeah. doing well in the Premiership. But things are pretty rosy there. We are. We're doing good. We're in a good place. And I think that was part of the reason why I wanted to, to get back and get playing for the club straight away is because we really feel like this is our year. You know, every, every person says that every year is their year. But, you know, we feel that you know, we're doing well in the Heineken Cup. Our first few games, we're smashing that. Premiership also is a big thing for us, so we're doing well in that. So this is the first time we've actually felt like we're, we're running well on both competitions. You know, I was excited to get back. And Hoggy, Hoggy's back in the club today. Um, so I you know, took the mick out of him a little bit. But, you know, to have someone like that come along, he's, you know, added to us in the team as well. So, you know, a lot of players are driving this year. And like you said, home, home court final for um, for Heineken Cup now is going to be it's going to be pretty special down there. And how's Hoggy settling in? Because uh, we'll get away from his hair. Like, that's it's almost old news now. So, the Guinness Six Nations is upon us. And you look yep. at for visually how the lads are looking. They're looking lean, overweight, but on a bit of muscle mass. <laughs> and I've seen he's got some kind of leopard leopard tattoo down his arm. What, what's no, it, what mate, is he's it? a Glasgow warrior. He's got a Glasgow warrior tattooed on his arm. Oh, is that what it is? But he's next to chief, is, chief, chief now. Is he going to get a chief he's on the other one? He, he's trying to say that it's a Roman warrior, but it's not. We're telling him it's a Glasgow warrior, so he needs to let that go. And, oh. Yeah, he does. I think he does need to get a chief's badge on the other side now. But uh, it didn't take him long, mate. He was only down here a couple of months, and he was already talking about tattoos and talking about bleaching his hair blonde again. So he's fit, fit right over us down here. Mate, he has, mate. He's not mentioned to me because I had a Superman tattoo at 23. It looks absolutely amazing. <laughs> I'm 37 now, mate. Oh, my God. It looks like Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, but is he settled in okay? Because I think that you know you boys have been flying for the last last few years um, under under Rob Baxter and the, and the culture that you guys have built there. Uh, the Champions Cup is obviously the evolution for you guys, and probably yeah. adding a little bit of quality. Has Hoggy fitted that mould that that you've probably been missing over recent years? Do you think? Yeah, I think he has. You know, obviously the last couple of years he's been you know he's dangerous. He's probably one of the most dangerous fullbacks. Uh, that's playing at the moment. So um, the way he's come and fit in, he's kind of fitted in the way we play with down here, which is which is very good. You know, he's very similar. Likes the ball, like keeping the ball. He's got a, you know good good boot on him as well, which is uh, trouble now and again. But yeah, his speed and his tack is very good. He's a bit quiet at the moment. I struggle to understand him uh, with his accent, but uh, he is. He's, he's doing well. He's added to us, and I think it's good that the, the boys have 
you know, really bought into him being down here as well. He'll be getting some abuse this week, though, surely, because uh, he's come home, Jim Hamilton, Stuart Hogg, the Calcutta Cup has finally come home after two years away. Um, let, let's talk about the extra lads then, because we 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 champion the boys on the podcast here and talk about some of the guys that we think should be in the England squad. And I know yep. it's a difficult position for you because you, you generally get picked when you fit. And, um, you know, I'm not asking you to say anything bad against Eddie Jones, but is there a little bit of disappointment around the club for players like the Simmons brothers, for Don Armand when he was in big form and, um, you know, the, the Johnny, likes, Hill, as Johnny well. Hill as well and these sort of guys that haven't been picked when Harry Williams, another one that perhaps should have? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think so. I think, you know, we're kind of down here out of the way, which is, you know, quite good for us. And obviously, we're all striving to get into that position where we are playing. Rob obviously says it's disappointing, but at the same time, we get to keep all the players down there playing for us still. But at the same time, he wants as many players in the camp as, as he can. And I think the easiest thing for us, all the players, and you know, the boys have said as well, is as long as they're giving all they can for the team each week, um, they're playing well, they're putting themselves in a good position, to be picked. And, you know, it's just on one guy's decision then at the end of the day. If, if you're not going to fit the mould, then... Um, I'm sure they'll be doing all they can. I, I know they've all spoken to Eddie, but it's very easy. Once you're not picked, it's right, right, fine. Get my head down, I'll work harder when I am playing. Um, a lot of them are doing all they can. You know, they are playing their performance for us each week and they are putting their hands up, but sometimes it's just a decision's made for you. So yeah, it's nice we get to keep them down there as well for this block. But I'm sure, you know, if years to come, we will get a few more boys there. But I think they need some toothpaste, mate, from what Johnny Hill was saying. Maybe that will sort Henry Slade out, eh? Maybe that's the problem. Maybe Eddie Jones thinks he's, he's got dog breath, so he's like, he's not in. Well, to be fair to Slade, he has got disgusting breath. So, has he really? Uh, I can't yeah, you see know, it. He's, he's pretty, he's good looking, you know, he's got a good body, but yeah, his, his breath is bad, his chat's bad as well, so it's probably a bit 50-50 from those two, I think. And he's hung like a pip as well, is he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's actually his nickname down here, isn't it? The pip, um, there we go. <laughs> oh, mate, poor lad, mate. Um, well, that brings me on nicely, not to not to the pip, but um, under Eddie Jones, and you, you mentioned about it then, but what, what's it like playing under Eddie Jones? I've actually really warmed to him. And there was, yeah. a, there was a really interesting interview this week that Sonia McLaughlin did with him, which I th- actually thought he answered really well in the end. And it was quite obvious what he was going to say. We just wanted him to say it. And then you see Genji's interview after the yeah. game, which was brilliant. And Eddie Jones is clearly there because he, he, he calls him in after. So everything you see with the players seems like they get on really well with Eddie Jones, that they've got a great relationship. So you yourself, you're injured at the moment, but he clearly likes you as, as well. What, what's it like working with him? Yeah, I think I think you hope you like I hope he likes me, but uh you, you never you never quite know. But I think, you know, the most easiest thing with Eddie is um he does look after his players. You know, he works you hard, he expects you to work hard. Um as long as you're giving it all, then he, he will look after you. And that's the main thing. He likes he likes being brutal on the field, he likes being physical, he likes emptying you at training and you know, working you extremely hard there. But he does look after you as a team and as a as an individual as well, which is you know, it's, it's easy when you come into camp, you know it's gonna be tough. You know you need to work hard. Um, but he is striving to be the best coach in the world. He's striving for the team to be the best in the world as well. So when you've got a very simple thing like that in your mind that, yeah, you're going to get flogged here, um, you buy into it, you do it, uh, and you'll get your rest when you get it. And what do the lads do? So, you know, when he goes into a press conference, like he, he does the one at the World Cup and he's like, we're being spied on. So he calls this press conference out the there. He's like, we're being spied on, you know, or we're going to France and it's going to be brutality and, and, and whatever. So he builds these narratives around the games. Do you lads know that he's going to do that before or are you just trying to pick up the pieces as, as players in the lead-up to the game? <laughs> I think that's the best thing that you do. You never know what he's going to come out with when he's in there. He can either be behaved or he can, he can say, say what he's feeling, which is, which is good. But um, I think, you know, most of the time he does, he does say what the boys are thinking as well. I think, obviously, with the French game, they did. They wanted to go into it. I know they worked hard during the week about being brutal and being physical. Um, sometimes they don't quite come off in the game. But um, he does quite often say that, that what the boys are working on during the week. 
And let's get away from rugby for a minute and talk about you off the field. Um, you know, we, we said earlier you, you, your missus got another one on the way, but uh, is it true that you're you've bought, bought a pub and you're called the Swordfish and you're the landlord? I, I am. I'm a fake landlord. I can't pour a pour a pint yet, mate. I'm oh, married, really? But, uh, it's, it's actually my old local. Yeah. So I remember when I was younger, growing up, I used to be you know Austin down there. I was down there with my my, my dad. Um, just spent a bit of time down there. Never quite old enough to drink down there. But when I was, it wasn't like it used to be. Um, like a lot of places now. So I thought, right. Fuck. I'm in a good position here. I'm gonna I'm gonna spend a bit of money on it. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and do it up and make it what it was like when it was when I was younger. So I've got a good group of lads down there that are doing it with me, and hopefully over a year or so we'll be we'll be back up to what the whole tall fish used to be like. And we can get a, maybe come do a live show down there actually, shan't we, Jim? Oh, that, oh, I don't know. I don't know if you'd want to come all the way down there. Oh, mate, uh, if, if there's Guinness, we're there. There's a, there's a few different people down there, but <laughs> is, is, is the name going to stick with the swordfish or can we call it the swordman? I don't know. Well, no, because Henry Slade's in there, it's definitely not. We'll keep it the swordfish. It's always been the swordfish. That, that's swordfish. I think if I went, if I change that, I might get shot when I get back down there. And mate, as a proud Cornishman, and um, you can hear yep. that clearly in your voice as well. And um, as we know, Saracens have been relegated next season to <laughs> where Cornish Pirates are playing. Um, so yep. as a player, it is from down that way. And you said you're obviously a long way from London and everything that happens around London. Being at Exeter, any chance you think the Cornish Pirates could be promoted long term? Have you heard any whispers down there what their ambitions are? I think I'm, they're, they're very ambitious. They have been for the last few years. Um, I think they're going along the right way with trying to get the stadium, trying to get that built, and, and things like that. But you know, unfortunately, down there, it's, you are so far away. It's you know quite hard to bring players down there and play. They're lovely in the summer, lovely pre-season. You know, start of the season, end of the season. But this time of year, it's pretty miserable down there. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't really agree with anyone going down there and loving it. But um, no, I think they are very ambitious. They want to come up. Uh, they're trying to get things in place, the right things in place to, to come up. But yeah, hopefully one day maybe they'll come up and be, it'll, be, it'll be good for the county. I tell you, mate, Marrow Nick Tompkins, I can't wait to get down there, mate. When they're down there this time of year, um, yeah, there's probably a, a few other places they'd rather be. But uh, it's a tough place to go down there. But, you know, it'd be a good game to watch as well. Mate, 100% worst changing rooms I've ever been in at the Menai. <laughs> and they still haven't changed, mate. Oh, horrific when <laughs> I played there. Bring a snorkel as well, mate. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, last thing though, mate. Uh, obviously, Exeter have got a game away at Gloucester on Friday night. Um, I'm doing the comms for BT Sport. Who shall I give man of the match to? Um, I'm trying to think who's playing. I don't actually, I'm not in the meetings at the moment, so I don't really pay too much attention. I haven't spoken to coaches in a couple of weeks either. Oh, no. um, man of the match, I'd go for. I'd go for a Sam Hill. Sam Hill needs a bit of love at the moment. Yeah, Sam Hill like that. And anyone I can yeah. give some abuse to and get stuck into? Ian Whitten, solid player. See, it's very solid player, very good for us. He's getting on a bit now. Nothing, nothing really up top. Just runs hard and straight. Hey, um, mate, hey, that's what you're doing. You get old. Mizunos as well, so maybe look after Ian a little bit as well. The old Mizunos, classic. Check out the Mizunos. All right, Jack. Thank you very much for coming on the show, mate. Best of luck with the Swordfish, the rehab, and hopefully we see you at the back end of the Six Nations. Thanks, man. Thank you very much for having me, guys. Cheers, Jack. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Cheers, buddy. Good, good lad. Great lad. Great lad. He is. Good lad. Do you know what? Actually, I forgot to ask him about this. So we're doing a Q&A on stage at Flatiron Square with Guinness on Saturday before the England-Scotland game. I said to him, mate, who do you reckon is going to be man of the match today? He's like, oh, I don't know. Uh, Ellis Genge off the bench, maybe? Comes on, scores the winner. He's like, there's my man of the match. There's my boy. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was good. Well, it looks like Andy Farrell's got things the right way around uh, with the Ireland at the moment. Uh, they win over Wales. The uh, attack is almost looking more fluid already, isn't it? Mike Cat. Mike Cat, the attack coach. Uh, yeah, listen, I think it's amazing, isn't it? Against Scotland the week before, everyone was like, oh, their attack was pretty blunt. Yeah, they didn't play that well. They made a load of errors, all this stuff. And Scotland played quite well. 
this week, they're sharper in attack, run some good lines. Listen, they're, they're dangerous. Did you pick them to win? I did, yeah. Did you? Yeah, I picked Ireland, yeah. I thought you were going for well, Wales. I was, and then like we said on here last week, when I see the teams, I might change my mind. Oh, you get a feel I did. for it. Yeah, I did, and I changed it. I think to Ireland by eight or something. So, yeah, listen... Yeah, Sexton was in the referee's ear. Roman Poirot goes, I know no, nothing. What is this? Um, but they were good. Ireland were. Stander was ridiculous again. Furlong. Yeah. His knee was falling off the other week. Mm. Uh, Lazarus. Oh, yeah, amazing. I, I thought they were, I thought they were, they looked like they did in 2018. That's what I thought large parts of it, especially up front and their carrying ability and the physicality and their desire. And, and, and that's why I said Furlong. Like, you know, his try, uh, their work rate, James Ryan, Peter O'Mahony um, obviously comes in. For Doris, having him gone off last week with a head knock, CJ Sanders been under massive amounts of pressure yeah. in the last kind of year. And he has been, he's got man of the match two weeks in a row. You know, I think they look brilliant. But a lot, a lot of it's the details. You talk about that Tyke Furlong try and the detail of, the boys latching onto him. Yeah. And it's, people go, oh, it's just a latch, isn't it? And no, it's no. Not. Herring took, did you see him? He yeah. took a mat, like the way that, yeah, I, again, I'm a bit of a noise when it comes to that, but, but that, that's he, the detail of coaching, isn't yeah, it? And 100%. you see Leinster, Leinster don't have a monster ball carrier that just can bounce off anyone and you get momentum that way. So you have to be cute in what you do and we talked about it here before mm. in terms of the lines you run, the detail on a, on a carry like that where you've got people latching on and, and what you're doing to, the defenders around to gain you the extra five yards because then defences are on the retreat. Mm. Um, so it, it's, it just shows quality. Co- Mike Cat is a quality coach. Yeah, that's the try from Furlong. Rob Herring, I'm telling you now, he is the reason they scored that try. Yeah. Unsung hero. Mm. And he was getting a question marks around him last week, I think it was. It's all these sausages, mate, talking rubbish. In it. Nick Stevenson is among one of those on Twitter um, that wants to know what you made of Hedley Park's disallowed try. <sighs> I thought Hedley Park's was brilliant. Uh, I thought we played really... He makes it... I mean, he runs hard. I mean, how long are you going to play like that for, really? It's not a try, though, is it? No. It looked like a try initially. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So you were like, he scored it, and then you see the replay, and he's, he just lost a bit of control. But, um, I mean, you look at Hoggy's... Yeah, it's different, though. So Hoggy just needs downward pressure on mm. Whereas when you score in a try, you need to be in, in control. control. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing. So Ron Poit just gives a try. And the Irish boys like, you need to check that. No, 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 no. Pause. Uh, Roman, you need to check that. Okay, we are checking it. <laughs> um, so yeah, it wasn't a try. Um, hell of a line though, wasn't it? So you got, you know, you got Hadley Parks at twelve. Nick Tonkins missed a few tackles at thirteen. Well, he got, he got bounced after about a minute, didn't he? Yeah, I think and that shook him a bit. Yeah, it did. Yeah, but and then he overchases for Lama's try. When well, actually he tries to he tries to rip the ball out of Lama's. No, nah, well he, he ends up he ends up overchasing. I I don't actually don't think it was his fault mm. because Lee Halfpenny's on the end and. Fullback always takes last man. Yeah. And they were over chasing because I don't think there was any comms coming from behind. So if you're the fullback, you should be screaming, I've got last man. I think this is a system error. I don't think there's any comms coming from the back from Halfpenny. He should be screaming, I've got last man. So you've got three defenders and Halfpenny should be telling, I think it was Josh Adams on the edge, hit, hit, I've got last man. And then he doesn't over chase. Lama doesn't step back on the inside because it should just be a, a one-on-one hit. Josh Adams hitting Lama. And then mm. if Lama does get the ball away to the edge, you've then got a one-on-one tackle with you fall back. So I spoke to Nick Tompkins last week and I asked him about the whole thing around Wales. Nick Tompkins approached Wales himself. Yeah. He approached, so they didn't approach him. He approached them. And he said he had a few discussions with Eddie, I think. So it could have been a thing that your five or six players down the chain, Wales were like, look, you swear your allegiance to the dragon um, and then you're in. So that's an interesting point. Anyway, uh, he was excellent last week off the bench 
uh, for them and he got a lot more game time. I think he was a bit, not put off, stunned maybe, but Ireland were brilliant. You know, that's the thing. And we've all been in games before. I know Wales went up early, but yeah, it, it was a tougher one for him. I still think he, for me, is first choice 13 for them. Listen, he's a quality operator and Jim has got very high thoughts of him. You're, you're talking British lines. I, I think he's an outside bet for the British and Irish lines. I really do. So, and it's probably not a bad thing as well that that happened to him in that yeah. game and just stunted him slightly. For me, Wales it, and Sean Edwards has gone now. And again, it's easy to say, well, Sean's not there. The defence didn't look as good, but it didn't look as good. But Ireland were brilliant in attack. And uh, maybe for Nick Tompkins personally, it's not a bad thing, actually. That, um, you know, it's not all glory. What do you make of Johnny Sixon's interactions with the ref? Oh, it's Raymond Point, isn't it? So, I think Johnny, it don't matter. Yeah, I, I think Johnny probably. Some will say he overstepped the mark. Some will say he was being very cute about how to referee a game when you've got a referee that perhaps doesn't know how to referee a game himself. Um, He's got a broken jaw, so I'm going to let him off. <laughs> Mate, his jaw was killing him. So, uh, and it's it's one of them that I, I think he has to be careful because if he's going to be in the ref's ear as much as he is. At some point, a referee is going to be like, Johnny, just stop talking to me. And then you can't get any valid points across. And they'll know that as well. So yeah. they'll review that. So yeah. we're, we're obviously talking about it now. The refs will be talking about it. And they'll be saying, look, he's got this in him. If he says anything like that to me, and they'll be thinking that, the old peacock, um, the old turtle, you know, the big shell. So pull the shoulders back. No, it's not happening. We're looking forward to the next game. Obviously, England play Ireland. And Yako Piper's the ref for that game. So I doubt he'll let Sexton speak to him in the manner or as much as Roman. No, 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 no. Well, speaking of the French, uh, they are top of the Six Nations after two rounds, after beating Italy at home at the weekend. Were you guys impressed by France? or I thought it was a really good game. I thought Italy was significantly better than I thought they would be. And I can't work out. I watched the game casually, I'd say. So I can't. I didn't watch it as what, in... casually? As pants, in, pants down or lying on a bed? Slippers on. Yeah. Um, you took your slippers up to Edinburgh? Yeah, of course I did. Because you obviously got stuck up there, so you are watching it yesterday. Is that the, the same? hotel room? Yeah. I'm in uh, Premier Inn, small room, uh, windows weren't open. A-list celebrity in Premier Inn? Keeping it real, mate. Okay. Keeping it real. Um, on a TV probably the size of an iPhone. <laughs> so I could barely see it. So you watched it on an iPhone? No, I watched the first half around John Barkley's house, unbelievable house. Um, he'll be living there for another year or two until he retires. Um, and... Just watched it casually. Didn't stop and rewind and see where the tackles were being missed or, or whatever. I just thought Italy played with a good high tempo, confident, some good offloads. It was it was a decent game. Um, and the French were, was I impressed with them? Some parts, 100%. Uh, they looked really good against The French times. bits, the offloading. Yeah. Like the ball out tackle, the France, oh, play, 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 play. Saran scores a wonderful try. Uh, but then I don't know whether to say it was so French. They switched off, or Italy actually played some really good stuff as well. Minotti was on fire. Pelledri, I mean, we've spoken about him Work count- rate's massive. countless times on air. I watched one of his carries, and he had about four of them on his back. Mm. He's like, he's just his legs keep going. Italy played a lot, lot better. And you know, Jim said it earlier. He's a bit nervous about Scotland going there now. Do you know who was all right? Gregory, all Aldri- right, oh. all right, Audrey, 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 Audrey. He was all right. He was all right. That's yes. I think didn't come out first time properly. And the match again. And every time I watch him, I just think condom. That's it. He's born in condom. He's born in condom in France, and he is a very good-looking human being. Did you, you know Scotland phoned him up and said, you, you know, you're Scottish, you want to come play for us? 
Comment on dit ça He turned fully French. <rire> hein. oh, Excusez-moi, je ne comprends pas. Euh, je m'appelle... Euh, Condom. Gregory Aldridge. Je, je suis né au euh, Condom. Je suis fatigué encore. J'ai placage. Euh, un fatigué encore. Um, his English is very good. Yeah, no. To this after the game. And it's been a bit of news floating around over the last week as well, hasn't there? In uh, South Africa, it's not really new, the chat about them joining the Six Nations, but it seems like this one's got more momentum than the other chats. You know what? I'll be honest. It was the first I heard of it. I hadn't heard about it before until yeah. last week. I, yeah. I hope it doesn't happen. I hope it doesn't happen. And that's oh, really? Right. You hope it does? No, I don't. No, no, I don't want to happen. I hope it doesn't happen. And that's nothing against Africa, but the rivalries that have been built up over the Six Nations, I, I, it doesn't look right for me at the minute and I don't know how you fit it in with again bigger things Super Rugby started Six Nations goes on at the start of Super Rugby so South African teams playing Super Rugby how do they global season manage that in global season central contracts just around the corner and just when you thought all the Saracens news had gone away Jim oh for me it was blown up a little bit a little bit to do with nothing TT Lamasatelli I mean who is thinking about his registration with all this going on it's really? Not, well, it's, it's his work permit, not his registration. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah. It's the same thing. No, Re- I, I, registering I, I, to work, but I mean... And here's, here's the thing, right? Look at Jackie Lorenzetti at Racing. He has come out and gone absolutely wild about it. But let's just clear something up. Saracens have made a, a little administrative error, which is actually just to remind people what they said about the salary cap, which maybe they regret saying now. So that's perhaps why it gets blown up a little bit. But T.T. Lamasatelli's been at Saracens for, what, six years? Mm-hmm. It's not like they've just signed someone in and they've tried to get someone in, you know, on a short-term thing where because they've had an injury. This kid has been part of the match day squads for the last however long. So, you know, um, yeah. Listen, I, I think the right outcome has come of it. Oh, look at you! Well, because listen, oh, Goody, look at you! We said it on Friday, didn't we, at the lunch when the news broke? Well, they were like, they. It was breaking. They were like, get the Glasgow Warriors in. Well, because Glasgow would have then ended up replacing Saracens if a points deduction would have been taken off them again. But yeah, I think listen, it's it's not like they've they've tried to do anything untoward. The Guinness Pint Predictor is back for the Six Nations on the Match Pint app, and you can win pints of Guinness each week during the tournament as well as match tickets and much more, all by just predicting the outcome of the Guinness Six Nations fixtures every week. Over 30,000 pints have been won over the opening two weekends, and 10,000 have been gifted. So don't forget to redeem them if you've got one, and it's not too late to get involved. Just download the free Match Pint app and enter the code RugbyPod to join our league and go up against Jim and Goody. How are you guys going in that? Flying. Yeah, yeah mate, I'm, I think I'm top. I just I can't work it out. I just I only got one wrong. I've only got one wrong all weekend, and I should be, for, in, in me, I should be, I should be near the top. But you know more than me about rugby, don't you? You know loads more, so you should be way above me this time, eh? Way above me. You know every, you know everything. You no. know why? Why are you being so facetious? I'm not. What does that mean? Well, I think you're being fatuous at the minute, James. I'm, I promise, I'm not. I've just seen the leg. There was a major glitch. There's a bit of an error. Um, I pressed England to win by four, and for some reason, it said Scotland to win by four. So, so you picked Scotland to win. It might have been an administrative <laughs> error. I think it was an, uh, must have been an admin error. Oh my Dude. word! It's coming home. It is. No. It's home, mate. It's home. So, Come on. So I've become privy. I've become privy to the um, to to the scores. And my word, does it not look good for? Well, really. I mean, I'm eight hundred thirty first. That ain't good. But that is exceptionally good compared to my Capondre. Andy, good. You are two thousand seven hundred and seventeenth. That is correct. Oh my goodness! Have you backed? 
Scotland every week. I didn't back them last week. So you're you're effectively bottom. I'm 2,717. That is embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, so is 831st, to be honest. You know, where's where's producer Tim? I mean, even... He just... He, we're the same, basically. You're 664th. I'm 831st. That's... At least we're not in the thousands or the two thousands. Andy Rowe, where are you? I'm not doing this one actually. Uh, why? Why? Because yeah. you bottom. I have been away for a few weeks, so I wasn't aware that we were doing it. You have been away, haven't you? Mm. Anything happen over in New Zealand? I went skydiving. Oh mate, yeah. who cares? I brought back brought you back some pineapple lamps. What? Yeah. Now yeah. I care. Yeah, do you want some now? Really, really conducive to good radio, aren't they? No, I mean, I'll, let's probably keep the bad clothes and I'll take them home with me. Please don't. Anyway, back to the match point predictor. We need to give a special shout out to Brian Logan, who's, I, I don't know, you get two perfect rounds, but he's got 115 points. Shane Collins, they're both Irish. And we've got a Frenchman at third, Albertus van Rensburg. That sounds French, doesn't it? Albertus van Rensburg. I reckon he's South African. Well, let, but he's got a French flag next to his name. Well, let's say Libertus Levan Levan Rensburg. He's third, and we've got Gareth. He's Welsh. He's fourth. We won't mention him. Um, that's it. 831st disgrace, but it's not as bad as 2,717th. <laughs> but join our league. That's it. The number one league in the Guinness Match, match point Predictor. predictor. Any, any rumours floating around at the moment, guys? Razzy Erasmus. Now, there's a social media page going around with him doing team talks on. Now, everyone's saying this is exceptional. I don't know whether it's my phone. I don't understand what he's saying. It's because he's got a very deep South connection. But do you understand what he's saying or not? I genuinely, I, I don't know whether it was uh, yeah, my I phone do. or I the do. audio. I do understand it because I played in South Africa, so you kind of... <laughs> I lived know. in South Africa for a year, mate. Yeah, um, but you have to listen to it properly, I, I'm telling you. We are going to be the greatest team in the world ever. You sold me. There you go. That's what he did sound like. Is that his social media page or not? I can't see it. Sure, well, someone's running it for him. I mean, it's, it's, he's, it's smart. He's also said no. It's not happening either, is it? What, going to England? Yeah. Can until, we get me, baby? Until England go, what are you earning in South African Rand again? Well, we shall triple that. Mm. and make it rain. Do you think they'll go for him? Well, he's now not even coaching. He's moved upstairs. Mm. So, I don't know. I mean, he's one of his sidekicks, Proudfoot, is now... Imagine being him now, right? Such a proud man. And all the rumours around Erasmus. You know what Eddie Jones is like? He'll be putting his front on like, yeah, man, I don't care, mate. But Proudfoot sat there in camp, and Eddie Jones has got his contract that runs out in two years' time, and he's brought Proudfoot in. Is Proudfoot now just trying to manoeuvre Eddie Jones out of a job to get Razzie in? Not everyone's horrible, good. Not everyone's like that, mate. You just don't know. Wow. Well, mate, you, okay, so you're telling me that's not how... That might not be how this scenario is panning out, but I know... Mike agents, Ford, Mike agents. Ford, No, Mike Ford's done it a few times at various clubs. These things happen, my friend. Mm. These things happen. So yeah, Eddie would know that. Don't be surprised. I don't think Eddie wants to stay past two years anyway. I, I, I find it weird, though, now. With Eddie, surely you're in for a four year contract in the World Cup. Or... I've warmed to Eddie. Yeah, so do you think he should carry on and they should extend his contract? No, you, you think, <laughs> you've just warmed to him, mate. I'm, <laughs> I've warmed to like I enjoy watching his interviews and stuff. Like, I... how good was that Solomon McGoughlin interview? Very good. Like that's how to interview. So you got a question to ask? Go through you, with it. Yeah, she went for him, and then Eddie gets on the back foot. He's like, "No, nah, mate, he's a straight bet, mate." You, you don't want it? No, he's just... And it, he looks the fool then. No, no, I thought that's the first time we've seen... I don't know. There was something quite endearing about him. I don't know what it was. What he was humbled. He, he was he, he was had. But in a nice way. Yeah. I don't know. I thought he'd come out of it quite nice. He likes doing it. Yeah, he likes doing he it. He likes the attention. And I think it's. I think the fact that he's said that is actually really nice. 
Yeah, but I, I now think it's every time he says something, you're like, oh, we know he likes doing it. He wants the attention now. But it will still happen. Yeah. Any other rumours floating around? Um, yeah. Peter Steph to toy. Surely not. Surely not Why? the best player in the world at the minute to Quinn's. Why being horrible? Why would the best player in the world not want to go to Quinn's? So why would Quinn's get rid of Carl Sinclair? And then they haven't got rid of him. They just couldn't afford or didn't want to pay him. What two different things? Two different things, yeah. though. So either couldn't afford him in the salary cap, mm. or they didn't think his value was okay as much as Bristol. Would. Okay, well there we go. I mean, but, but maybe get... they'll see Peter Steftatoy as better value, and maybe he doesn't cost as much. I and he's not knows. away with England all the time. Yeah. Oh mate, don't get me wrong. I love that Peter Steftatoy. He's hard. South African, mate. Yeah. Always said it. Okay, would he go to... Co- can't see it, but he might. Anything else floating around? The Saracen stuff's always going to be around for the next few months, but Alex Zosky's the one that's gathering momentum. I'm hearing he's going to sail. Goody, you interviewed him for Patreon. Did he say anything? I did interview him for Patreon, and um, no comment. I don't know anything. No comment. Well, there you <laughs> I go. mean, there you go. hey, no comment. But um, So there's him, and then Ben Spencer. We mentioned it last week on loan to... Bath, maybe. Yeah. I, 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 from what I hear, no clubs want any Saracens players on loan. They've all kind of had this, whether it's a pact together or whether it's actually, why would we want a player on loan for a year so he just goes back to Saracens? Uh, I think they're all trying to sign. Clubs are trying to sign Saracens players. Of course they are. They're quality players. But they're trying to sign them on full contracts for two to three years as opposed to being on loan. So I think Saracens are digging their heels in with certain players. From what you hear, potentially these players could walk away from the contracts that they're in, but that's the battle at the minute. The battleground between a player having to get legal on Saracens to try and leave, wanting to leave, or wanting to stay. Right, let's finish things off with the good, the bad, and the ugly, which is brought to you by Level Rugby again this week. They are the world's biggest online rugby retailer and rugby pod listeners get 15% off everything on their website, including all the latest Six Nations gear, boots and training wear. So just head to levelrugby.co.uk and enter the code RUGBYPOD15 to get your hands on all the stash with 15% off. See what they've done there? RUGBYPOD15, because there's 15 players in the team, but then you get 15% off. Marketing. At its very best. I mean, that's how marketing works. You just get someone simple like Jim to think about it and they're sold. Boom. Plenty of good. Plenty of good this week. Uh, we shall start off in France. Go on. Goody. Yes. And Baptiste Serran's try. Uh, hell of a try for France. Uh, they played some really good stuff at times. They were abject to others, but a big tip of the slipper to Baptiste Serran. Uh, and also, as we spoke about earlier, Monsieur Gregory the Scotsman Aldrete. Uh, an outstanding, he was all right. He was all right, wasn't he? The outstanding performance again. Two games and two man of the matches for him. Um, we're going to put some of Italy's play in the good as well. And a specific mention for a wasp, Minotzi. Happy with that? Minotzi. Yeah. And especially another guy that plays in the Premiership, Jake Pelledri. Uh, I thought those two were outstanding for the Italians. Uh, what else was good? Sale Sharks uh, beat Saracens under-14s in the Premiership Cup. Congrats. Uh, to get to the final. Um, it's a big thing for them, though. Steve Diamond spoke about it. Extra won the Premiership Cup. Saracens won the Premiership Cup. You want to win the big trophies, you have to start with the little ones. And that's what he said. He did. Um, so that was outstanding. Let's go to some uh, Super Rugby, Andy Rowe. Oh, Super Rugby is on. Do we have to? Well, I think you need to tip the slipper a little bit to Geordie Barrett. Wow. 63 metre nudge for a penalty for the Canes over in Argentina against the Jaguares. Had room as well. He had another five metres. I've watched it a Look few times. Look at him, he's perking up for the yeah. first time ever. He had another five metres, I reckon. And they end up winning by three points as well. Yeah. 
Uh, what else was good in the Super Ruggers, Super Touch? Warren Gatland and the Chiefs. Oh, I saw that. They Gats. won. Chief, just, Chief, 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 he Chief. just wins. That bloke just wins things. They beat the champion Crusaders 25-15. Uh, and then we always have to get one of my old teams in the good. We may have mentioned Minotzi and Wasps. The Sharks over in South Africa, two from two, uh, dusting up the Highlanders 42-20 at the Highlanders as well. So a big away victory there. What else was good? Sonia McLaughlin's interview. We spoke about it before. Uh, that's how proper journalism's done. You ask a question, you want an answer, you keep going until you get that answer. She held a cool, she held a nerve. She kept prodding him and probing him. I wonder what his temperature was if she was probing him. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Uh, what else was good? Uh, Rob Wainwright. Yes. You want to talk about this, Jim? Because it was I mean, unbelievable. Absolutely ball-bagged by the end of it, I yeah. imagine. We spoke to him on here a few weeks ago, didn't we, about the cycle. 500-mile mm. cycle. Get it? 500-mile? But for the Wounded Lions, uh, for the My Name is Doddy Foundation and raising money for Tom Smith as well, and they cycled the ball up to BT Murrayfield in... I can't even imagine the conditions. Kelly Brown joined a bit of the way, uh, John Barkley, the last leg, and a load of other people along the way. And uh, we even saw Tom Smith as well turn up. And um, yeah, I think we wish him well, but also a big shout out to Rob Wainwright for doing that Um, at his age. He's nearly 60. (laughs) He's not 60. He's 50 odd. Um, But he looks amazing. And what an absolute machine. Two unbelievable causes. Great bloke. Big shout out. Yeah, big shout out to those guys. Uh, and they're getting mentioned in the good this week. Ireland, very dominant, I thought, at times over Wales. CJ Stander, two games, two man of the matches. He's on fire, isn't he? Yes. But it's not just about Ireland men's team. It's about Ireland rugby as a whole. Because Irish rugby, the men, the women and the under 20s are all two from two in the Guinness Six Nations. So The future uh, is bright. The future is green. The future is You see, because they're playing green. Yeah, I yeah. yeah, get that. Uh, but the good this week goes to one man and one man only. The Ellis pilot, Genge. My, oh, I thought we were going to say the pilot. Oh, no, Sorry. no, no. Ellis Genge, uh, hell of an impact off the bench. Scores the winning try in the Calcutta Cup. It's come home, Jim. It has come home. In it. And then he does his interview, calling everyone sausages, uh, being very honest. I thought he was brilliant. Ellis Genge gets the good this week. I agree with you, in it. The bad. What was bad this week? Well... We'll mention Wales, shall we? They look pretty blunt at times against Ireland, but more importantly, only the second time in the last 14 years that they've conceded four tries in a match in the Six Nations. Because they've lost Sean Edwards and he makes and make tackles time after time. And he's gone to France to learn French. T-bag! So, uh, Wales get a mention in the bad this week. What else is bad? Well, I'm going to bring Gregor Tooney Townsend and Finn Russell into the bat again this week. This spat just lingers on. The interview, we spoke about it earlier. It's not a good look, is it? The interview from Finn. So that rumbling on has to get mentioned in the bad. What else was bad? Um, Saracens. Their admin errors with Titi Lamositelli uh, and his work permit. Fine 50 grand. 25 grand suspended. But, you know, they've been five million. So what's another 25 grand to them, really? What else was bad? Um, French rugby fans. Just not turning up. Half empty stad the France and people are like, oh, the weather. Oh, it's Italy. You go to another game. Look at Scotland on Saturday. The weather was absolutely brutal and it was rampacked, wasn't it, James? It was. Um, you know, uh, the French don't like the French for some reason. So that gets a mention in the bad. Uh, the bad this week, I, could, I didn't really didn't really find too much that, that was that bad. But I have found some pretty bad haircuts. One in particular. Uh, so the bad this week goes to Marco Riccioni. You know who he is? No idea. Reserve prop 
reserve tight head prop for Italy. Uh, he's gone for the Jim Carrey uh, Lloyd Christmas from Dumb and Dumber haircut. Oh. I just thought, you know, we'll, we'll go for a a quite funny bad this week, but it's not that funny because Jim's okay. staring at me like... No, I was thinking I, I quite like Lloyd Christmas's hair, I'll be honest. <laughs> well, you like any hair on top of your head at the minute. It's so thin, it's unbelievable. All right, mate. It's uh, all mine, though. So is mine. Just been moved. Oh, okay. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. That's uh, my mind. The ugly. Uh, only one really ugly thing this weekend, and it has to go to the Scotland fans. What? We're throwing bottles. Maybe they didn't throw the bottle. Mate, Let's not go there. But who's throwing bottles, mate? Genuinely, their demeanour. You saw videos of them being abusive, giving the wanker sign and all that stuff. On social media, mate. Have a look at it. There's. I don't mind all the booing and all this stuff and, you know, a bit of I'm proud Scotsman, but it's not football. It's not. Yeah, I ain't got But it's the English. Doesn't matter, mate. You're not Bro- being a bit precious, though, are you? No, I'm not. So, so you, get, th- you get off the bus and you get called a fucking wanker. You think that's all right? That's not rugby, boys. But you are. That's <laughs> almost telling the truth. Yeah, but that's not rugby, is it? Let's be, if you're one of those England boys and just things like that. I said it here the other week, didn't I, about... There is a line. There's a line. There's and that's a li- the thing. But there is a line. And it's, it is difficult, I think, in this day and age to know where that line there, is. There isn't. A, know, the line's pretty it, simple, I reckon. Go on then. If you're at a rugby game and you want to give some abuse, you've got your kid or your mum and your dad sat next to you and you think it's okay what you're saying in front of your mum and dad or your kid. No. Then... That's the line. So there's that, there's so the line. What, so we're joking about it. I think the the interaction's fine and I, I'm, I spoke about it and some people disagree, which is fine. You're entitled to your opinion about the booing. You said that was fine as well. Uh, the booing I, don't, the, I, I know, don't think anyone's thrown a bottle. That's what I no, think. I th- from, from what it looks like, the bottle, has, it's probably fallen and it's blown and it's hit him on the mm. head. It ain't been thrown at him, I don't think. I don't know what it is, the England-Scotland games. Scotland, well, more so the Scotland-England games in Scotland... I was abused as a player. For being it, Scottish or shit? For, no, for the second part, for them thinking I was Scottish and I weren't. A, Scottish, a couple of Scottish fans. Oh, you're English now? No, no, I'm Scottish till I die, mate. Oh, okay. But I've gone out. We've just been beaten by England. I've gone incognito getting absolutely mobbed and some Scottish fans were abusing me. So there's True. a there's a tribalism with that. and There yeah, is, but there's also yeah, a line, isn't it? Definitely. And that's, that's the thing with where we're at at the minute. Um, you know, people are complaining about the booing. People are complaining... I reckon if you can honestly say you'd shout something in front of your kid and you'd be happy for your kid to say mm. it, you're either saying things that are jovial and okay, or if it's something like, yeah, fuck it, mate, it, you're a liar because you wouldn't want that coming out of your kid's mouth. I wouldn't want mine because if I took JJ to a match, only JJ, um, I wouldn't be happy him hearing that language. There That's why I don't take him to football. There we go. Thanks, Goody. And you've got a shout-out to finish off with, haven't you, Jim? I have. Um, it's another sad one, unfortunately. Um, Lewis Tasker, he's been in touch and just wants to give a shout-out for a friend of his, Ruben Thomas Wilsker, who passed away last year after battling with cystic fibrosis. He played for Stowe on the Wall Rugby Club, which is my local rugby club as well, uh, before having to hang up uh, his boots due to ill health. He was a massive fan of the pod and a big Wasp fan as well, Goody. Uh, he'll be sorely missed by his family and all his friends, of course. And here at the pod, we're thinking about you and your family. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Producer Tim. And thank you for listening as well. Don't forget to subscribe, follow us on Twitter, review us on iTunes, and check out our Superfans monthly subscription service at patreon.com forward slash the Rugby Pod. Rugby Pod. Pod, pod, pod. <laughs>